Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. I really like the positivity and the humor on their website. You know, here on Money and Me, we're all about getting real when it comes to money and investing. And the folks from the simplesum.com—that's the website—they're on a mission to up your personal finance game, especially for us young adults. Nicole Ng is head of learning and partnerships. She is a financial minimalist and an investment returns maximalist. We love that. She. She also believes everyone has the ability to earn a hundred thousand by the age of thirty, and we're going to talk about what she thinks investors need to know about being in the market given the current market conditions. Right? People are texting me. You know, what does the federal funds rate increase mean to us here in Singapore? The funds rate is set in the U.S. Uh, the central bank. It's the rate at which banks borrow and lend to one another overnight. But people are trying to draw, draw the dots between. Okay, but what does that mean for me here in? Singapore, you know, should I buy my house? Should I put off buying my house? Should I save more? What should I do with my money? You know, really, Nicole is a CFA charter. She graduated with a bachelor's degree in finance, and she is head of learning at partnerships at that website. I love the title as well. I think it says it all, right? TheSimpleSum.com. Nicole, good morning. Hi, Michelle. Good morning. Nice to meet you. All right, Nicole. Uh, we want to get to know you a little bit better. We love having CFA charter holders on this show. But tell us, what is the best financial advice you've ever received? The best financial advice I've ever received is just get started. And I think that applies to uh, whether it's just you know personal finance, tracking your expenses, budgeting. Uh, all the way to you know investing because we do have a lot of inertia when it comes to these things mm-hmm. and it helps to do a lot of research and plan and have you know everything in place perfect first but um, sometimes you know the best laid plans might not work out so um, yeah just get started I think uh, once you get started and you build the momentum and get the ball rolling it just becomes easier over time. One of your colleagues on your site always googles and hacks promo codes before she buys do you do the same thing? Every now and again, I must admit, I'm not very good at it. But uh, since, you know, the current inflationary environment means means that, you know, things are going up in prices, I've been trying to find ways to hack and save more on my everyday expenses. So it's something that I'm learning and trying to get better at, uh, but definitely uh, a learning experience for me right now. I'm learning to compare grocery prices. So really, you know, going to different stores and noticing instead of blindly putting it in my basket, you know. All right, third question for you, Nicole. Who taught you to Mm -hmm. invest? I would say, so I, I studied finance when I was in university. And one of the courses that they had was, you know, um, the different types of assets and asset classes and things like that. So I would say my university education kind of taught me a little bit about investing and portfolios and things like that. Uh, But then after I left university, a lot of it was just self-taught. So online, you know, Googling and, you know, asking around with people who are older at my um, previous jobs because I used to work in the financial industry as well. So most of it is just, I guess, having a bit of curiosity as well as going out there and looking for the information myself. So did you come from a family environment where everybody invested? No. (laughs) My parents weren't investors themselves. Uh, They don't really have a, they don't have the knowledge or the understanding of it. So they didn't really get into it or even if they did or 
they had friends recommend certain things to them. I think they didn't really understand what they were buying into. So it was really very much of uh, self-effort on my end. I think that's uh, then, great. I think that's yeah. great and, and uh, very affirming to hear for a lot of people out there who may not have grown up, you know, in this world, in this finance world or understanding mm-hmm. equities because they heard it talked about at the dinner table. It's great to know that you can teach yourself along the way and become very yeah. good at it. All right. So you were founded mm-hmm. in 2019, The Simple Sum, and I know you have a presence in Malaysia, Brunei, Indonesia and the Philippines. Congratulations mm-hmm. on growing a great site. So let's get into today's topic and we really want to understand what today's environment means for young adults. So what do you think? You know, the interest rates going up. People know what inflation means mentally. You know, prices are going mm-hmm. up. But join the dots between the actual environment around us, the financial environment, and what it means for us and our wallets, particularly young adults. Yeah, I think we're living through a, a very interesting time in the financial environment. For me personally, I think this is my first time experiencing a period of high inflation. So I guess that kind of tells you a little bit about my my age. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think, so maybe just to share a little bit more, right? So we have been seeing um, prices of everyday goods and items slowly creeping up. And some of them are actually due to, you know, supply shortages that we're facing globally um, because of things like um, the, you know, the Russia-Ukraine war. And we are also facing labor shortages in some areas as well. So these are some of the areas that are causing prices of everyday goods to go up. Fuel as well is something that is affected in. And because of the prices of everyday everyday things going up, and in the U.S., you know, consumer prices are an all-time high, I think, in, in inflation. The Fed is trying to find ways to temper inflation or get people to spend less money, right? And so one of the things that they're trying to do is to increase interest rates in order to uh, dampen inflation. So why increasing interest rates helps to manage inflation is because when rates go up, things like your loans become a little bit more expensive. You have to kind of tighten your belt a little bit and instead of you know, kind of spending frivolously, you are becoming more conscious about your spending and trying to squeeze your spending a little bit. So raising rates is one way to temp- temper inflation and get people to spend less. And I think it goes hand in hand, I think. So um, when inflation goes up, generally speaking, central banks around the world will try to increase rates to be able to manage that. And for the everyday Singaporean or young adult, right, what does that mean for us? I think what it really means is that uh, we have to be a lot more responsible when it comes with our money. When it comes to our money, we have to be a bit more, you know, on the ball with our expenses on an everyday basis. So, you know, having a budget and being able to see where our money is going on a day-to-day basis, uh, where are some areas that we can cut back on. Like you mentioned, right, you're you're going around checking prices at different grocery stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does take a little bit extra effort on our end to manage it, uh, but that's what's within our control that we can do, right? Be responsible about our budgets and make financial decisions and plan for uh, bigger purchases in a more thoughtful way than maybe what we would have done uh, in a period where you know rates are low and inflation is not as huge of an issue. Okay, you know, even as we think of money being more expensive, 
to borrow. Mm. And I guess the dots are easier to connect if you're an SME and you need to borrow money because you need to expand. Mm -hmm. Um, But for an individual, life goes on. People need to move into a home because they want to start Mm -hmm. their lives. You know, they're thinking of these big buys. So what do you say to a young adult thinking, should I buy a house now or should I hold on buying? Because we know that mortgage rates, you know, will be rising if the Fed continues to raise rates, there could be a a knock-on effect on mortgage rates. So what do you say to a young adult wondering, should I buy that house now or hold off? I think it really depends on the person. So before you think about, you know, buying a house, I'm sure you would have saved up some money to be able to afford the down payment on the house. Uh, You would have had a plan in place to basically see, okay, based on my monthly expenses and my salary, would I be able to uh, cover back the monthly repayments on my loan, right? So before you even buy a house, I think whether rates are going up or not, you should already have a plan of, okay, this is the amount that I'm setting aside for my down payment. But after that, when I get the loan, how much I need to set aside every month for the monthly repayments, right? You should be able to know what that amount is and whether it fits into your budget. Now with rates rising, I think it's a question that I cannot really give an answer yes or no one way or the other. It really depends on the person. So if, let's say, there is still room in your budget to be able to afford the monthly repayments and you feel that it's not going to completely change your lifestyle or, you know, change the way that you are going to live and you're still going to be comfortable and be able to budget and spend responsibly and live life, I think is something that you can probably still go ahead and do, right? But if it's something that's going to squeeze and you're going to feel stressed out about trying to meet those monthly repayments, then... Potentially, it's a question that you have to ask yourself. Is this something that I'm going to have to do now, right? Mm-hmm. Or do I, have, do I hold off and maybe try next year when I have a little bit more savings or if I um, have a little bit more increase in income so that I have room to actually cover the monthly repayments on my loan? So I think it's a question that everyone has to ask themselves. Go back to their budgets, take a look at, you know, is there room in the budget to accommodate the increase in the monthly repayments? And is that something that they're going to be comfortable with? Or are they going to be stressed out about it? So that is what I have to say about that. (laughs) So when it comes to core inflation, you know, we were warned that this would come our way, I think, first quarter 2022. And whether you're at the grocery store or you're pumping your petrol, you're starting to feel the prices go up. And I speak to many people of the cash is trash mentality of with inflation rising, that's eating away at my purchasing power. So I need to know what to do with my cash. And some are stockpiling it and saying, I'm going to go into the equity market when the time is right. What are some of your insights for someone thinking about starting to invest in today's environment? So I think to kind of address the first point that you made, right, the people in the group of cash is trash, right? I think the flip side with rates rising, not just, you know, your interest rates on loans are going up, right? That's that's one aspect. But on the other aspect for people who are saving money, this is really a good time for them to save money and put it in instruments that can give them a better rate, right? So you see a lot of our bank rates actually going up. I think we saw in the news a couple uh, couple of days ago that, you know, people are lining up outside banks to go and put place their fixed deposits because the rates have gone up as well, right? So I think for savers, um, the rates going up is, is a good thing because then you actually get a little bit more return on um, your savings. So that is on the um, savings aspect, right? So there's going to be a portion of your money that you're going to set aside for short-term savings, for goals that you want to meet in the short term or the near term. So it could be maybe just 
visiting Japan. Japan. Finally. Yeah, visiting Japan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> going traveling. Yeah, going traveling, you know, buying a new phone uh, and even some, something that's a little bit bigger, like saving for, saving for a wedding, right? Yeah. So definitely you're going to have money set aside for those things that you could put in something that's a little bit more liquid, but still gives you a bit of return. But everything else after that, right? So you've already got your emergency fund, you've got your short-term savings. The rest of your money should be working for you, right? And getting you a return that's going to help you beat inflation. So I think when it comes to investing, you know, there's never a right time to start investing. There's always going to be people who are jittery about investing and sitting on the sidelines. You know, there's always going to be an excuse not to invest. So, for example, in 2020, when we had the pandemic, you know, when markets are dropping, Mm -hmm. you know, people are getting jittery and nervous and people say, okay, this is not the right time to go in. Right. Mm -hmm. So even if you stockpile your cash, how many of you actually went there and like, okay, I stockpiled my cash and markets have dropped. Now is the time to buy at a discount, right? Not, not a lot of people probably did that because they don't know how, where the bottom is. Right. And if you even go further back than that, you know, since 2008, the financial crisis, you know, in the US especially, you know, they had 10 years of a bull market where markets were just going up and up. And even in those situations, people sat on the sidelines too because markets are going up or oh, things are so expensive. Stock prices are too high. Maybe now not now is not the right time to invest. So there's always going to be a reason or excuse to say that now is not the right time to invest. So my thoughts on this are, and this is not financial advice, by the way, so I'm going to caveat that, is that if Don't you do worry. want to start investing. We play a disclaimer <laughs> as well to underline yeah. that. Yeah, but you know, if you do want to start investing and you're still trying to get over that inertia, especially as a young adult doing it for the first time, the key thing is to just start small. You know, it, it can just be $100 a month to $200 a month, uh, depending on what you're comfortable with. So I'm not saying go all in into the market, but just start small and take those baby steps. Uh, like what I said at the start, right? The best advice I've gotten is to just get started. And once you build that momentum, then, you know, things just become a lot easier as you go along your way. Yeah. Do you think there's a better place to get started in today's environment, whether it's an ETF or it's a bond or, you know, if people still want to do their own picking for their self-created mm-hmm. portfolio? Is there a better way to start for an absolute beginner? Okay, so right now in the today's landscape, there are definitely a lot more investment instruments out there today. Uh, as opposed to, say, you know, 20 years ago. So there are plenty of options for people um, to get started with a small amount of money. I wouldn't say that there is one that's better than the other. What I would suggest for people to do is spend some time looking at these different instruments and understand what they are. Mm. Because everyone's investing preference is going to be different Mm -hmm. and everyone's risk appetite is also different. So what I mean by risk appetite, right, is to also think about Uh, how much risk you're willing to take on your investment. So, for example, generally speaking, stocks are considered more risky than bonds, for instance. And, you know, are you okay to put more of your money into stocks? Uh, Are you okay to take more risk? Basically, you know, stocks are a little bit more volatile, so they can go up and down a lot more than potentially bonds, for instance. It's not always the case, but that's what the textbook says, right? Got it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so that's a question you have to ask yourself. And within stocks also, there are stocks that are more stable. There are stocks that can be more volatile. So it's important to understand what you're buying into. So if you're buying into an ETF, for example, you know, do some research of that ETF, right? Uh, Which index is it tracking? What's the expense ratios and how much it's going to cost for you to buy into that ETF? Um, And uh, is there going to be any taxes involved as well, right? And if you have to convert your SIM dollars into US dollars or a different currency, 
to buy into that ETF. So that's some considerations you need to take uh, if you're thinking of ETFs, right? If you're looking at robo-advisors or fund managers, like a mutual fund, right? So take a look at the fund's historical performance. What are they investing into? Um, what sort of portfolios do they have that fit your risk appetite? So there's definitely going to be a bit of a learning curve, I guess, if you're just starting out. But take it with a curious mind and ask questions uh, to, uh, you know, experts or, you know, you can always go online and Google, you can read the simple sum and have a look at, you know, what are these instruments about and try to get an understanding there. And hopefully with a little bit more understanding, you'll be able to be a bit more confident with your investing journey and be able to say, okay, I want to do this. I want to invest in this and I'm putting this, this amount of money in. Fantastic. What do you think is the best place, not when it comes to critical illness, but the best pillar perhaps to have in any personal finance plan uh, when it comes to your goals and your journey ahead? Where should you start? Okay, I think that's quite a difficult question to answer. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's pillar is probably going to be different. But for me personally, I think the budgeting and managing expenses pillar is very important because that sets the foundation for everything else after that. So like your insurance plans, you know, how much you're going to set aside for your premiums, how much you're going to set aside for investing, uh, how much you're going to set aside for your loan repayment. You will only know all of those things if you are tracking your expenses and you have a budget, right? So if you know where your money is going, you know how much you're earning and how much you're spending, then then only you'll know, okay, this is the amount that I can save. These are the areas that I can probably cut back on to save more, and the secret is to be consistent with it and keep doing it so that, you know, you can see patterns that can emerge from tracking your expenses and from there be able to then fulfill all the other pillars of personal finance, right? So yeah. um, be able to, you know, put some money aside for mm-hmm. your premiums on your, on your insurance plan or critical illness plan. Yeah. It's about awareness of what's coming in, what's going on. I always tell people when they ask me, what has been the most transformative moment for you, Michelle, when it comes to personal finance? And I say, my friend's dad used to be an auditor and they lived in a beautiful black and white house with a gorgeous pool. And I remember thinking, how did all this happen? And one day he pulled me aside and said, Michelle, you need to start with a notebook. And I was uh, 14, 15 around that time. You have to have a notebook, he said, and you need to write down everything you spend on. So even if you buy a Coca-Cola, Cola from the vending machine, you need to write it, you need to write this down in that notebook. And that started me on being really, really clear about what money I had and what money was going out and what I was spending. And you'd be shocked if you actually start to track uh, what you realize about your spending patterns. But I also think, you know, what's really great past that, I think that's great advice. And I think past that, I was looking at the tools on your site, Nicole, thesimplesum.com. And I think the first calculator that you have up there is something that a lot of people don't look at because, you know, we don't like to plan for, for the tough things in life. And that's the emergency fund calculator. Would you say that's also an important pillar? Yes, that is an important pillar. It's funny that you mentioned that because I found it surprising that a lot of people don't think of having an emergency fund as part of um, the journey of personal finance. Mm. So I will always say that uh, having an emergency fund is foundational to your personal finance. So before you even start investing, right, you know, now we're thinking about, you know, inflation and rising interest rates, you know, and, you know, there's even talk of recession as well, right? So you want to make sure that before you even start investing or doing any other of your personal finance, you know, checklists, that you have this particular foundation in place. Do you have enough savings or enough money 
to cover for an unexpected event. So for instance, like if you know a recession were to happen, losing your job in a recession. And if the answer is no, then perhaps that's exactly the, where you should focus your efforts on, uh, building that emergency fund before you even start thinking about investing. And so why we have this calculator, the investment, the emergency fund calculator on our site is exactly to get people to start thinking about how much they actually need to set aside for an emergency. So what we do is we, we break it down, you know, based on like different categories. So all the three calculators actually represent some key steps in your personal finance journey. So when you're first starting out, you need to know how much you need for your emergency, right? So once you've got that down, then we have our retirement calculator, which we uh, we always joke uh, that we use it to scare people to, into thinking about their, their retirement and how much <laughs> they need to set aside for retirement. Because a lot of people don't know, right? That's actually a huge amount, right? So once you're scared by the number that you need to set aside for retirement, then then of course you have to think about, okay, how am I going to help, you know, get to that number? And that's where the investment calculator comes in, where uh-huh. it can simulate, essentially, if you put your money into a particular investment and because of compound interest, you know, how that money can grow each year to help you hit your retirement goal. So that's what the investment calculator is used for. This is so interesting. So you put in how much you want to invest, how long you want to stay invested. You put in the rate of return. It's all so clear on your site. And then voila, you see after 10 years, if you said 10 years, how much your investment would be worth. This is so great, Nicole. It's been wonderful speaking with you. I wish we didn't have to end the conversation, but we have the news straight ahead. Nicole, absolute joy speaking with you. If you'd like some final thoughts for our listeners on, you know, how they can maybe up their personal finance game in this day and age, what would you say? Yeah, so final thoughts is, you know, just get started. I think that is the key thing. Start reading up online. Places like the Simple Sum, for instance, uh, will have information about how to get started on your personal finance journey. And, you know, be curious and learn about, you know, different things. Ask questions. I think that's where I would end it. At. Yeah. Ask questions. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Oh, you're most welcome, Nicole. Nicole Ung, Head of Learning and Partnerships, with us here on Money and Me. Thank you for your company. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.